If you are a businesswoman working to amplify your six and seven figure business from success to significance, then you know it's not just about the right strategies or the right tactics. It's more and more about high caliber people around you, your team, your collaborators, and advisors that can open doors for you and widen your reach. Welcome to your Circle of Influence podcast with your hosts, Dr. Monica Ogando and Amy Walker. Welcome, everybody, to your Circle of Influence podcast. I am your co-host, Dr. Monica Ogando. And I'm Amy Walker. We are so delighted that you are here. We are going to be taking you through the seven feminine principles of leadership. And I am excited about it because we start with a banger, like the kids say. It's a banger, Amy Walker. (laughs) Do the kids say that? My kids don't say that. Although last week they were like, we need to teach you about new slang Mm -hmm. because you do not know it. And so we sat down and they told us a whole bunch of ridiculous things. And I was like, huh, I actually do feel old. Normally as a parent, I'm like, yeah, my parents were super old but your parents are super cool. I tell them that a lot. And it was a moment where I was like, oh yeah, I don't know these words. Yes, Good to yes. know. I don't even remember what they I went, were. I went down a YouTube rabbit hole the other day and I, and I saw some, um, you know, those um, people who, who uh, comment on songs and videos and stuff like that. Uh-huh. So one of them was saying that they were saying like, we hit, we're back with another banger. I was like, oh, banger. I like it. I'm gonna take it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So- but I'm excited about this one because you know, our book is getting really close to coming out. Yes. And inside of When Women Lead, we're covering seven principles of feminine leadership. And so we thought this would be a fun way to kind of prepare and get ready for that launch is to go through those principles and just have a conversation about it. Yes. And I'm excited to start with this one because, um, you know, it sets, I think it sets a tone for everything else. Mm-hmm. And if we were to begin the conversation of entrepreneurship or the conversation of just leadership in general, which is, you know, my playground uh, with the first principle, which is 100% is possible 100% of the time. Yep. If you really believe that, it opens up uh, places and possibilities and resources and relationships that wouldn't be available otherwise. Yes. This is definitely something that I learned from you. Like when the the backstory of this book and the podcast and everything is when we were first launching, we sat down and we came up with our core values. Mm -hmm. And this was one of your recommendations, Monica. You were like, I want to operate from 100% as possible, 100% of the time. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you know, you have those moments where your mind just goes, like, expansion. There is a new way of thinking of the universe. It was a, it was a big, at least it wasn't stop it. You liar. (laughs) No, it was just, gosh, that's a powerful thought. But the reality is in business, 
and in life, mm-hmm. you will have obstacles, you will have challenges. And we're not saying that 100% is free of challenge 100% of the time. Right. We're just saying that there is always possibility that everything is possible all of the time. And it puts me, the way that this has shown up for me is that I am a lot more creative mm-hmm. When um, I am envisioning what I want, I tend to think bigger, but I'm also a lot more creative when I'm looking at those obstacles, like, all right, well, here's a little obstacle in my path, but 100% is possible 100% of the time. So what are we going to do about this? That's right. And it just is a lot more hopeful. So I love it. I thank you for introducing this to me. You're welcome. Now it came from a painful place uh, as, as most silver linings and, you know, powerful convictions do. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, It came from a painful place because I was going through a transformational training at the time. Some of, some may liken it to like, um, what is it? Um, What is the, what is the one, the forum or Warner Earhart, et cetera, like transformational trainings like that. And at the time I was diagnosed with uh, stage four cervical cancer and I was given about a year to live. And I remember having a conversation with my pastor. I set up an appointment to talk with her before I talked to my family. I ended up not divulging what what I was going through to my family. Mm -hmm. And um, she was so, you know, hurried. She was going from one meeting to the next. And she was kind of like squeezing me in. She had no idea that I was kind of like, (laughs) to you, this is another meeting to me. This is life or death, you know? Right. And um, she sat down and apparently her secretary, her assistant told her what I was coming to talk to her about because Mm -hmm. she sits and she looks at me. She goes, okay, which conversation are we having? I said, what do you mean? She said, are you deciding that you're going to live or are you deciding that you're going to die? And I looked at her quizzically and I was, and she says, because if you're deciding that your, your decision is that you're going to live, then all this fear and oh my God, and what's going to happen to my baby and blah, 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 blah. And what am I going to do? What am I going to tell my parents? That's a non-issue. Mm-hmm. And if you're deciding that you're going to die, then all this conversation about alternative healing and which treatment and blah, 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 that's also irrelevant. So which lane are we on? And speaking of like, right. Mind blowing. (laughs) Right. Because to me, it was like, I didn't even know that I had the choice. Right. What are you talking about? Which conversation are we having? And it opened me up to something that I learned in transformational training about a hundred percent is possible and a hundred percent responsible too. That's another Mm -hmm. uh, caveat. Um, being responsible for your results and being responsible for how you choose to direct your life, right? Because all we are ever doing is managing our orientation. You're either oriented towards failure or the worst that could happen, or you're oriented towards success and what's the best that could happen. And um, if I can get clear on the result that I want, like really clear, committed, unmoving, unrelenting, then I can be flexible in my approach. I can be flexible in the mechanics. I can be flexible with my timeline even. And in that way, I can get the result that I want and also discover, to your point, how creative I am, how resourceful I am, the people that are willing to help me, the, the resources that I didn't even know that I had, the questions that I didn't even know to ask, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's been, it's been a life-changing thing for me too, so... 
You know, I want to take this to the feminine as well, because, you know, the book is When Women Lead. Mm -hmm. And while this is a principle that is a, a powerful principle for anyone, there's some pieces with this that really resonate with womanhood and with uh, the feminine side. So if we think about it, we are born to do the impossible. Like if you look at a human torso and everything has its place, and then you look at how it can all magically squish together in order to create life mm-hmm. and like bake a child in your lady kitchen, you know, like <laughs> that is impossible to start with. <laughs> I stole that. I, I have to say, I stole that from the Goldbergs TV show. The mom on there is like, I baked you in my lady kitchen. So now I say that nice. to my kids when they're, you know, when they need to be knocked down a notch. Yes. <laughs> so, yes. But it's, we, we, our bodies do what is not possible for other bodies to do. Yeah. Um, you know, when I look at how women show up to lead, we have a tendency it, it, historically there has been a lot of conquer and dominance mm-hmm. in creating wins. Mm-hmm. And in order to win, you had to go and overcut, you know, overtake a people and steal liberty from the people. That is not how women have created wins. You look at historically back through, you know, the great women leaders that we look at, they have created wins that benefit everybody, not just Mm -hmm. themselves. Mm -hmm. And so I I love this principle for us as women, because we're not just looking at how do we get for us? We're looking at how can we create an actual win that ripples out to more than just us? Yes. If you look at other feminine aspects of nature, for example, just earth, right? Just like mother earth. Um, She doesn't really care what you plant on there. She's going to you know, with, with the proper mechanisms and the proper time and the sun and the rain and the blah, blah, blah. Uh, you plant an apple seed, you're going to get an apple tree. You mm-hmm. plant tomatoes, you're going to get tomatoes, right? And so it's like, there's everything can flourish here. There's this, mm-hmm. this thought of everything can flourish here. And that's, that's what I love about 100% as possible 100% of the time that it's like, I don't have to settle. I don't have to sacrifice. I don't have, I may have to make some decisions. I may have to shift how I orient my focus, uh, but I don't have to do like a win-lose thing. Yeah. It's, I love that. I, I am, I feel like our world is ready to transcend into the next level, which is it's not win-lose. It's not us versus them. It's us and we are them and we can win together. You know, that's exactly right. So, can you give some? I'd love to think, have both of us kind of think and share maybe some experiences or stories of how mm-hmm. we've used this principle mm-hmm. to show up in leadership. Yeah. So, I'll I'll give you a contentious one. Okay. Um, it's actually you and I have talked about it. Even when we were going to the book writing retreat, we talked about it. And um, I I had a client who downright accused me of thievery. Mm-hmm. And when we opened the books and when we looked at everything and spreadsheets and processes and conversations and emails and recordings and everything else, it was like, no, that's not what happened. But that you even had the thought to go there uh, compromised the relationship to where it was no longer tenuous, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so my... Uh, thought was, and I, and I had many people who care for me say, just cut them off, just 
these people are crazy and you don't want none of that drama anymore and blah, 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 blah. And I felt committed to the community mm-hmm. that, um, that we had built. And so I was thinking, okay, hundred percent is possible. hundred percent of the time. How can I honor my boundaries? Cause what I'm not going to do is work with people who think I'm a thief, but right. how can I then um, connect with the community and honor that part of how I show up in my agreement, et cetera, et cetera. And so I had to shift the conversation from um, firing a client or suing them even because, you know, mm-hmm. it, got, it got pretty it got pretty ugly in certain parts to how do we create a win win? How do you get your people like how how can I be a part of your retention percentages being a success? How can I get paid for the work that I've already done? And how can I honor my boundaries that I'm no longer going to work with you in X, Y, Z capacity? And that those were a series of hard conversations to have, you know, because I had to, I had to put my resentment to the side. I had to put my, you know, I'm going to show them I'm going to be the competitor and you go, wish you never, you know, and I had to put all of that stuff to the side and say, how do I create a win-win? And sometimes uh, and I, I know a lot of our audience can relate to this. You kind of get tired of being the bigger person all the freaking time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, um, you know, I remember something that my grandmother used to say, which was, if there's no hero here, that's because you're it. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, well, if you don't see bigger actions and bigger behavior, then you bring it. You know, what, what you're not seeing is what you refuse to bring. So, I had to eat a little bit of crow in that, you know, because my ego was hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also, but I, I feel good in my soul that we came to a place where it was like, okay, we're no longer working in X, Y, Z capacity, but I'm still going to honor this part. And then once that part is finished, then vaya con Dios. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I, I am a little jealous that I don't have a grandma that says like wise one-liners. <laughs> I would always have liked that. My grandma well, is know, more, is, my grandma yeah. always had some, some other ones too. Like, which one are you disrespectful or stupid? <laughs> <laughs> Cause if you're, if oh, we have to have this conversation more than once, it's good that you are not listening, which means uh-huh. you're disrespectful or you're not as smart as we thought you were, in which case you're trespassing. Cause you're no kin of mine. So, you know, you got to take the good and the bad. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Um, you know, it, this principle has shown up for me in the last year in several different places. One of them is rando, but at the beginning of 2020, I was challenging a bunch of teenagers to an ice skating race. And I was pulling out my super slick, awesome rollerblading moves from the 1990s and it did not end well. And I broke my wrist and, um, I was supposed to have, they thought I was going to need to have surgery and then they didn't do surgery. And in the end, I ended up with this super jacked up wrist. And I was showing Monica when I was like, my, look at this. Like my hand is literally not center on top of my wrist. Like it was like, you know, I don't know, a centimeter off or something. And we were talking about this and I was like, how, you know, if 100% is possible, 100% of the time, like how do I get my wrist to align back up? And, um, I can't say that it's hundred percent straight, but it is so much more straight than it used to be. Like, it's amazing to me how, when you believe that it like, 
because my original thought had been, I'm going to have to go in and have surgery in order to get my hand in the right place on top of my wrist. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, that's gotta be what it is. And I was seeing this one possibility or the other possibility is I just always have a weird looking hand. And so it was two possibilities in my mind. And then when we started talking about it, I was like, okay, well, let's apply this principle. And this, by the way, all, both these conversations were happening as we were driving to our book writing retreat. Yeah, yeah. I was like, well, let's apply this principle. What else is possible? Mm-hmm. Well, maybe it's possible that it could align that I could, you know, do more stretches and that I could, um, send intention that it's going to align and it's going to straighten. Mm-hmm. And, um, it is so much more straight than it was before. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Look at the, Lord. So that's a random one. <laughs> but not because it, it applies. It's not just about business. It's also about, you know, you, your self-care, your health, et cetera. Like to me, a principle isn't a principle if it's not universal, if it can only apply in certain places and that's not a principle, that's a preference. You know what I mean? Ooh, not a principle, a preference. Ooh, tweetable. That's tweetable right there. Tweetable. Is that in the book? That should be in the book. <laughs> I think it is. <laughs> Um, the writing process is so fun because you go through the initial phase of like brain dump, and then you go through the phase of going back through and fine tuning. And then you go through the phase where you've read it so many freaking times that you can't even remember what's where Mm -hmm. (laughs) anyway, that's true. Good stuff. So here's some of the ways that I think people can implement this. Yes. So just practical, how do I take this and actually apply it to my life? One is ask, what's the highest good for the highest number? So what would it mean? And and you can apply this anywhere. It can be in your marriage. It can be in your business. It can be for your team. It could be for a launch, et cetera. What's the highest good for the highest number? And what does, so outcome-based and then process-based, what does that look like, right? Uh, Because it might look like having a conversation. It might look like uh, moving the launch. (laughs) <laughs> we've, mm-hmm. we've had those conversations before. Um, mm-hmm. It might be extending the timeline. It might be asking for additional help. It might be whatever those things are, right? But what's the highest good for the highest number? And then how can I have that happen? That would be question number two. And then question number three is what would I have to be wrong about to have the highest good for the highest number happen? So mm-hmm. a lot of times, the only reason why we don't see a possibility is because we're clinging on to something else. But if we can yeah. just loosen the grip a little bit on whatever it is that you're being attached to, then you can see that possibility. Um, I usually use the story of uh, when I was reading The Road Less Traveled by M. Scott Peck. He was talking about a, a he was a psychotherapist, a psychiatrist, and he, he was treating a woman who said, I am perpetually depressed. There is never a moment where I'm not depressed. And he gave her an assignment that said, go home and just observe your depression. Like, I know that it's never not here. So just notice when it's high, notice when it's low, notice when it's like just vibrating in in kind of volatile and going up and down, just observe it. And then take those notes and bring them to me next week and we'll discuss it. So she comes next week to her appointment and she's just this dutiful student, you know, and she's ready with her notes to share what she found out. And she was being a scientist about her depression or whatever. And then when they finished all of her data, he asks her, So let me ask you something. The part of you that was observing the depression, was that part of you also depressed? And again, (laughs) that was the little, you know, door ajar moment that he needed in order to get her out of um, that attachment and and looking for other possibilities. Right. And, And that has always stayed with me. I read that book back in college and it has always stayed with me because it was like there's a part of you that is invulnerable 
to the ups and downs on your business, to the ups and downs of your relationships, to the ups and downs of, you know, your image even, or how you have self-identified. And that part can see solutions that you can't. So if you can just detach a little bit and just loosen the grip, you can see other possibilities. I love this conversation around being wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, because we tend to make that such a negative thing when in reality, every time you find and discover that you're wrong, it opens up so many more opportunities. Like, Oh, I was wrong about that. Now look at this whole new world that exists all around me. I wonder what it would take for us to change our experience around feeling wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, It would take not meaning bad, Mm -hmm. not meaning unloved, not meaning stupid, not meaning you're going to get fired, mm-hmm. not meaning you're going to lose the promotion or whatever social equity you're banking on rightness, you know, yeah. if we can unhook those definitions, then we'll, we'll be more willing to be wrong. Because it's not yeah. like we're not wrong. We're wrong all the time. <laughs> right. <laughs> and that's why we hide it. Because like, I don't want this to cost me X, Y, Z, you know? Yeah. What an interesting idea that you can be wrong without losing that you can be wrong and b- being wrong is where you gain. That's right. That's, that's probably again to Amy Walker. <laughs> Good stuff. Well, we are so excited for the book to come out. Um, so stay tuned. It's not yet, but we will keep you updated on this podcast and let you know when that big launch day is so that you can go and get it and share it with all your friends and family and any women that you know and respect and admire in business. So thank you guys for being a part of the community. Make sure you're checked in and plugged in with us on Instagram so that you can get the updates on the book launch. Yay! I'm so excited about it. And it, and it's happening right around uh, women's history month. So I'm excited about that. Yep. How pertinent. Yep. And I will admit that when I, when we say that there's this little panicky feeling in my heart, that's like, Oh, please let us get everything done on time. But <laughs> that's the plan. <laughs> Cause we are recording way before women's history, but, but you know what? A hundred percent is possible. A hundred percent of the time. Amen, sister. Okay. Thank you all so much for participating with us today. Make sure you're following us on Instagram. Make sure you leave us comments and give us those reviews because we love hearing from you. Thanks so much, everyone.